0: Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down at the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good shipping true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early Hello and welcome to the Stories of Northern Life from the Sault Ste. Marie Museum. We all know the song you just heard by Gordon Lightfoot telling the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald. The SS Edmund Fitzgerald was named after the president and chairman of the board of Northwestern Mutual the ship was a business venture between the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company of Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Northwestern Mutual signed a contract with the Great Lakes Engineering Works of Escort ECourse of ECORse, Michigan, and the ship was launched at River Rogue, Michigan, on june 8, fifty eight. It was a Great Lakes bulk cargo vessel the largest ore carrier on the Great Lakes for 13 years until 1971. It was 729 feet long, 75 feet wide, 39 feet high, and 13,632 tons empty. Northwestern Mutual placed the Fitzgerald in the permanent charter of the Columbia Transportation Division of Ogle Bay Norton Company in Cleveland, Ohio. The Edmund Fitzgerald carried tactonite ore, a type of iron, from Duluth, Minnesota to ports in Detroit and Toledo. Its first voyage was on September 24, 1958. The Edmund Fitzgerald set seasonal haul records six times, often surpassing its own records in just its short 17-year lifespan. The ship was not only loved by its commissioners, but by visitors and shipwatchers alike, especially with the captain Peter Pulser, who would play music through the ship's tannoy system to inspire the crew and he would step out with a bullhorn and shout out facts and commentary to watching tourists. But on this date, November 10th, 1975, the Fitzgerald suddenly sank along with the entire crew of 29 people. The Edmund Fitzgerald now lays at the bottom of the lake around 17 miles from Whitefish Bay. It was found split in two, 530 feet deep in Lake Superior, with no bodies recovered from the wreck. Let's get into the timeline of this frightful day. This timeline actually starts on November 9th, 1975, when the SS Edmund Fitzgerald began what was to be its final voyage through the upper Great Lakes. 8.30 a.m. November 9, 1975. The M. Fitzgerald is loaded with tactonite ore pellets at Burlington Northern Railroad, dock number 1. 2.20 p.m. The ship departs Lake Superior en route to Detroit with 26,116 tons of tactonite pellets aboard. At this point, everything was like normal. The National Weather Service informed them in the morning that there was a storm, but it would pass them completely and would not affect the crew. But just five hours later, they updated their predictions. When 63-year-old Captain Ernest M. McSorley received the worrying forecast, he switched directions headed towards the Canadian shore to stay a little closer to land. 11 a.m., November 10th, 1975. Weather reports received from the Edmund Fitzgerald. She is 12 miles south of Isle Royale and winds are at 52 knots, with waves reaching 10 feet in height. 7 a.m., the last weather report the Edmund Fitzgerald will ever make reports winds at 35 knots and waves reaching 10 feet high. 3.15 p.m. Captain Jesse Cooper of the SS Arthur M. Anderson watches the Fitzgerald come uncomfortably close to the six Fathom Shoal. At this point, it was snowing for about a half hour, and their vision was challenged in their already worsening conditions, which caused them to slow right down to a crawl. 3.20 p.m. Captain Jess Cooper of the SS Arthur M. Anderson following behind the Fitzgerald reports winds of 34 knots from the northwest. 3.30 p.m. Radio transmission received between the Fitzgerald and the Anderson ship, which is 16 kilometers behind the Fitzgerald. Anderson, this is the Fitzgerald. I have a fence rail down. Two vents are lost and damaged. And a list. I'm checking down. Will you stay by me till I get to Whitefish? List, in this case, doesn't mean a written list. It means that the ship was tilting to one side. Arthur M. Anderson stayed close like asked. 4:10 p.m. The Fitzgerald radios the Anderson requesting radar assistance for the remainder of the voyage. The Fitzgerald lost both radars. 4.39 PM. The Fitzgerald is unable to pick up the Whitefish Point radio beacon or the Coast Guard station at Grand Marist Channel 16 an Emergency Channel. 3.30 to 5 PM. The Fitzgerald calls for any vessel in the Whitefish Point area for assistance. The saltwater vessel Avafaros reports the beacon and light are not operating at the point. 7.10 p.m. Radio transmission between the Anderson and the Fitzgerald. They provided some navigational guidance and asked how they were doing. The Fitzgerald responded that they were holding their own. This is the last time the men of Brother Fitzgerald will ever speak to anyone outside the ship again. p.m. The Fitzgerald enters a squall while still on Lake Superior, obscuring view from the Anderson approximately 10 miles behind. 7.20 p.m. The Edmund Fitzgerald disappears from the radar of the Anderson, prompting a call to the Coast Guard reporting the situation. 7.20 to 7.30 p.m. This is the estimated time of the sinking. 7.55 p.m. The SS Anderson calls again to inform the Coast Guard that they have lost the radar communications and visuals of the Edmund Fitzgerald. 9 p.m. The Arthur M. Anderson reached the safe harbor in Whitefish Bay between Michigan and Ontario. The Coast Guard, with no available search ships, asks the Anderson to head back out and look. Unsure and afraid, The Anderson sets back out, only promising to try. 10.53 PM. The first aircraft arrives on the scene from Traverse City, Michigan. The search was unsuccessful. The only trace of the Edmund Fitzgerald was a smashed lifeboat. Many ships spent hours searching the waters in increasingly worse conditions, with only one conclusion, that the ship must have sunk. There are many questions about the disaster, especially not knowing exactly what caused the ship to sink. There were no distress signals, and not one crew member made it on the lifeboat. So many other ships were able to weather the storm, but why couldn't the Fitzgerald? Was it the design of the ship? Was it the captain neglecting repairs? And still, there are no answers, just theories, on what truly happened. The wreckage was discovered five days after the sinking, split in two at the bottom of Lake Superior. There are many changes made to improve safety across the board. Aftermath, disaster, depth detectors for ships over a certain weight, survival suits for the entire crew needed to be on board, navigational and communication infrastructure on the Great Lakes was improved dramatically, along with maps and charts. The U.S. Coast Guard began a much more rigorous inspection program of all the ships sailing on the Great Lakes. The routes were precise and without danger. And all of these new regulations and upgrades made a difference in there not being any other incidents as deadly as the sinking of the Fitzgerald. It is still sad to think that this incident had to happen before these improvements could have been made. The only items that were ever recovered from the wreckage was the bell and the anchor. They were requested by the families of the lost crew needing closure and a symbolic memorial and the bell wasn't even recovered for nearly 20 years after the incident. We have much to thank for this crew and many alike that trekked the waters daily. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you learned a little more about history in Northern Ontario. Ciao.